Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices, Past and Present. Brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, www.ihconvention.com. The sermon on today's podcast is by James Keaton. It's a wonderful message that is very needed in this day, and it's simply titled Rebellion. I know you'll enjoy this message. I'm going to be looking to the book of 1 Samuel tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 15. Chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. Now it should not be unusual for a preacher to preach against sin. But I suppose it is a bit unusual to take a service such as this and preach against one particular sin. But that is what I feel the Lord would have me do this very night. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. I am looking in verse 23 to the word Rebellion. Rebellion. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I pray tonight that the Holy Spirit would preach this message through me. I pray that if there is anything that I should say that I have forgotten, I pray that you would bring it to my memory. If there is anything that I had planned to say that I should not, I pray that you would help me to forget it. And may, Lord, our hearts be aware that we stand in God's presence tonight. And may the word of God speak to each of us, salvage some soul. In Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks ago, a number of weeks now, I received a telephone call from a distraught father. And he asked me this question. He said, my teenage son has been kicked out of school. He said, is there any possibility that I could enroll him in your school? Having known this dear brother for some length of time, I said, the least I could do for you would be to give you an audience, you and the young man an audience with our admissions committee. I said, but please also be aware that at the present time, that is the most I can promise you. There are some people in this auditorium tonight who sat on that committee, and they will know very well of whom and what I speak. The meeting was arranged, the time was set, and we met in my office. I suppose that I have never seen a young man who exuded rebellion any more than we witnessed that day. He absolutely refused to address anyone with a title of respect. He refused to answer any questions with any form of dignity. 
He simply slouched in his chair and grunted and growled for answers. And after the obvious occurred, the committee did not feel it would be wise to admit him in among our other students at this time. And I announced this, the decision of the committee to the father and son. The young man demanded the car keys, growled something, and stomped out of the room. And I slipped my arm around Dad. And I told him that in spite of the answer of the committee that day, I really cared. I hope he believed me because I was being truthful with him. But soon he was gone, the committee was gone, the young man was gone, and I was left alone in my office. I sat behind my desk and put my head in my hands and I prayed. I prayed for a young man, I prayed for his dad, I prayed for his mom, and then I prayed for myself. And I began to search my ministry and ask some very serious questions. I asked myself, is there anything in my ministry to minister to that young man? Is there anything in my preaching to minister to that broken-hearted father? And I, I confess with a bit of shamefacedness that I could not recall in 30 years having ever preached a message on rebellion. Of course, I had mentioned it a time or two here and there along the way, but never had I addressed it with a message itself. I thought a bit further, and I could not remember ever having heard any preacher preach an entire message on the subject of rebellion. Now, excuse me, brethren, I assume that you probably have a series of sermons on it which you preach very often and very effectively. I just haven't heard you. And I began to make some promises to the Lord that day while my heart was heavy with the burden of the scene just passed. And I said, oh God, by your grace and by your help, if you'll lead me to the word, I'll address the subject. I want something somehow. I want to minister to a young man like that. I want to minister to a dad like that somehow. This message is the result of that burden of my heart. In the message tonight, I would like to share with you some various areas of rebellion. I'd like to begin by talking about the origin of rebellion. Then we'll talk about the nature of rebellion. Spend a little time on the results of rebellion. And then conclude by dealing with a very important question. Is there really any hope for the rebellious? Let us begin by considering the origin, the origin of rebellion. I would turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 14 and begin to locate some information on the origin of rebellion. Verse 12 reads, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I have just read to you the account of Lucifer himself who purposed with a rebellious purpose in his heart that he would rise up against the throne of God and would even overtake the God the Father's throne. Rebellion 
the, the very origin of rebellion. I want us to notice that it began in heavenly places. Began in heavenly places. I suppose if there is any opportunity the devil would take to browbeat a mom and a dad around a little bit, it would be once they began to observe the horrible traits of rebellion in a family member. The devil would come to them with haste, and he would suggest to them that they are a miserable failure, would suggest to them that they must not have been much of a Christian example, that they surely must have been too loose, Surely they must not have maintained a good Christian standard in their home. But this well may be a lie from the devil himself. Because it is absolutely possible for a person to be brought up in an environment that is like under heaven itself. Where they are taught the things of God and the ways of God. Where they are taken to the house of God. Where they are taught the worship of God. And yet for rebellion to rise in the heart of one in such an environment. If God himself had to experience that one of his angels in the very, very corridors of the glory world would yet allow rebellion to rise in their heart, why should you and I not understand that it is absolutely possible for rebellion to rise in a Christian home it is possible for rebellion to rise in a spiritual church. It is possible for rebellion to rise sometimes even more flagrantly where it seems the things of God are most pronounced. That rebellion can rise in such a place. It began in heavenly places and it began in a heavenly being. The very first sin ever committed. This rebellion in the heart of Lucifer himself. Oh, that God would help us to understand that rebellion begins in the will. Five times in this Isaiah passage, I read where Lucifer said, I will. Did you catch it? He said, I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. It seems that the will is playing a great part in this business of rebellion. Many times in, in the ministry to which God has allowed me to serve, I have seen young people seated, seated across from my desk and clench their teeth and set their jaw and clench their fists together and say, no one, no one will tell me what to do. And they're telling me that their will is set upon their own way. This is the origin of rebellion. It began there. I want to move quickly from the origin of rebellion and look a while at the nature, at the nature of rebellion. Perhaps the nature of rebellion is found in the text I have already read tonight in 1 Samuel. For it says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Amen. In the month of March, I was the evangelist for the Summerfield camp meeting, the EBM camp meeting in Summerfield, Florida. The day services were given to various missionaries. They spoke of their fields. Again and again, I heard the missionaries talk about how they had to encounter and deal with witchcraft. 
Some of them told of the beating of the drums. Some of them told of the ceremonies. Some of them told of the hexes and the various problems of, of witchcraft in their particular field of service. I listened interest, uh, with great interest, uh, but it began to dawn upon me that we in America also have our own breed of witchcraft. It's called rebellion. For the word of God declares that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. If any one of this assemblage tonight should go home and a member of your family would come in and they would show to you the fetishes and symbols and prisms that they were holding and tell you that they are now participating in witchcraft and they are now participating in covens, you would come unglued. If you will allow the modern vernacular, you would come unglued. You would call your pastor in a heartbeat. And you would say, Pastor, you must come to our home immediately. We must talk with you. You must pray with us. Tell us what to do. A tragic thing has happened. A member of our family is involved in witchcraft. And what are we going to do? And yet we speak of rebellion as though it is only a phase that must pass. As though it is only something trivial and something light. But I must, I must inform you tonight that it is not light. And it is not merely a phase of adolescence. It is as the sin of witchcraft if the Bible be true. And it is something that you and I must look upon with great seriousness. We can no longer wink at it. Rebellion is just about to overwhelm our nation like a wave of the sea. Rebellion is seen everywhere. It is seen in almost every fad, in every fashion. It is heard in the music of our day. It is difficult to drive from here to Westfield, beginning yesterday, today, and they tell me also tomorrow. Grateful Dead, whoever they are, is in the area. And literally hundreds, if not thousands, of deadheads, they call them, have infested our community. They are not bathing. They are staggering along the roadside. They are changing their clothes where they desire. Right out in the public. I saw it this morning. Brother Gunther and I on our way over this morning saw them ladies changing their clothes right beside the highway. What is it? It's a fruit and a sign of the very rebellion I'm preaching to you about. It is flagrant throughout the land. Rebellion on every hand. And the nature of rebellion, it is as the sin of witchcraft. Both rebellion and witchcraft are anti-God. Both of them seek their own power while they are rejecting the powers that exist. Both are diabolical and demonic and devilish and are openly and repeatedly condemned in the word of God. Both are the illegitimate children of hell. And both take their marching orders from hell. And both will take their subscribers to hell. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Let us not forget it. The nature of rebellion. I move now to talk for a moment about the results of rebellion. If you forget everything else I say tonight, please remember this. Rebellion 
created a devil. Think about it, please. Rebellion created a devil. The result of rebellion is a price we cannot afford to pay. Young person in this congregation tonight, hear me. The price of rebellion and the result of rebellion is something you cannot afford to pay. Rebellion, if you find any seeds of it in your heart, if you find any spirit of it within you at all, I would beg of you to seek the face of God and begin to seek the help of the Almighty, lest that spirit of rebellion rise and cost you a price you cannot afford to pay. The results of rebellion. Notice, please, it destroys the home. And it destroys happiness. A pastor answered the knock at his door shortly after dark. The chief of police stood at the door. They were friends. The chief was invited in. But the chief was not there to visit. As a friendly visit, he was there on business. And he said, Reverend, may I talk with you in private? They made their way to the pastor's study. The door was closed. And the pastor said, what is it? And the chief of police asked a question. He said, how are you and your teenage boy getting along? And the answer was quite well, I suppose. Things seem to be fair. Why do you ask? And he said, because today, that young man called the officials and is asked to be removed from this home because here he is not allowed to have a television. Here he is not allowed to listen to rock music. Here he is not allowed to wear short pants. Here he is not allowed to do this. And he had the long list of things the child had given Things were worked out after a sort and things were amended. But let me tell you something. Something broke. Something broke in that father's heart that will never be healed from there to the grave. And it was the product of rebellion, the result of rebellion that rose in the heart of a child. The results of rebellion robs the home of its happiness. You have read in the Old Testament... An old man, an old man who had been used of God, an old man who had led the children of Israel from victory unto victory. And now, with his knees stiff, his joints stiff with arthritis and age, now when he should be on the back porch with a lap dog watching the grandchildren play, instead he gets word that his son Absalom has rebelled and that his son Absalom is going to take over the kingdom and this old man who no doubt can hardly more than walk himself has to hurry out the back door of the palace go out and climb the hillsides and scratch and crawl in the gravel trying to get up the hillside while his joints are aching and his heart is breaking is that any way for an old man to go to his grave? You know the story. The pursuit is quite a dramatic event. And then the time came 
When a messenger came to David and David ran to him and said, tell me, how is it with the boy? How is it? And they said, Absalom is dead. And this old man turned and went to his room and cried out a wail and a plea that would touch the heart of anybody. And he cried, oh, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would God I had died for thee. Is this any way for an old man to go to his grave? I think not. But it was the result of rebellion. Young person tonight, please hear me. Just for a moment, please. That rebellion that you feel in your heart. If you won't do it for mama. If you won't do it for daddy. If you won't do it for me, for the sake of your own soul and the sake of your own happiness, would you take it to the Almighty God and try to get some amending done in your soul and your spirit? Young people, I suppose there was a day when I would not have taken an important night service in a camp meeting to deal with this but suddenly it's very, very important to me. And I'm taking the time because I look in some of your faces and I see the very thing I'm preaching to you about tonight. And I want to tell you the result. The result is more, is far more than you care to pay, you care to handle, you care to deal with. The result of rebellion. Perhaps it is in Galatians chapter 5 that we could begin to learn a little bit about it. It is here we read, he says, and now the works of the flesh are these, are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, services, uh, seditions, and heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. My point is this. Your rebellion will cost you your inheritance. Not long ago, I was driving through the state of West Virginia. Driving through a certain city where I knew that an old gentleman, now 90 years of age, a friend of the family since long before I was born, I knew he was lying in a nursing home there, and I thought I would take the time just to pay him a visit. I found the nursing home, went to his side, visited for a little while. I knew his family, he knew our family, family, friends, years, all my life. And I remembered how that this man and his good wife had been unable to have children when they were perhaps 50 years of age. A little baby boy had been found in that community, abandoned, hungry, sick, nearly naked. And through the proper procedures, they had been able to secure this as their own child. And if anybody ever loved a little baby, they loved that little boy. They gave him clothes to wear and food to eat. They gave him the medical attention he so desperately needed. 
He didn't have a name when they found him. But they gave him a name with respect in that community. As time went on, they gave him an education and a good one. And now he's a grown man, and this old man lies in a nursing home. Not knowing the details, I, I asked this old gentleman about the boy. How's Eddie? And this old man who had been kind all his life looked at me and his eyes filled with tears. And he said, I have taken Eddie out of my will. I almost wished I had an ask. I wouldn't discuss it, but he did. And he told me the story. He said, Eddie lives less than five miles from me, and he's not darkened that door to as much as see how I'm doing in two years. And he said, I've taken him out of my will. He said, he's a rebellious boy. And I thought if rebellion here would cause a child to be taken out of the father's will, how much more, how much more right does the heavenly father have to say that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God? It will cost you your inheritance. The result of rebellion. It can be seen in the church. There is much rebellion in today's church. Now, church, I love you. I stand with you. I identify with you. I'm part of you. We're in this thing together. And I do not speak as an outsider throwing rocks. But I speak as an insider with a heavy heart. There is much rebellion inside the church in our day. We've come through a time when everyone has cried, Independence! I suppose that's all right, and there's times when it's good. But there are also times when there is a diabolical streak that runs through our independence, and it's called rebellion. Hear me. I may be preaching to someone in this church tonight who has been withholding your tithe from your local church because the pastor said something that you didn't quite like. Because someone was elected to an office and it wasn't by your vote. And you have been withholding your tithe. Let me tell you, my friend, you are rebellious. Rebellious is rampant in the church in our day. We have a generation of people who tell our pastors who are overstressed and overworked. Well, don't count on me. I like to be free. I'll shop in occasionally. I like to visit your Sunday night service. But I never know. I like to get around a little on Sunday mornings. Could it be rebellion? Amen. Could it be rebellion? Do you know anything about this business of responsibility to the kingdom of God? Could it be rebellion in the church? Could it be that we're losing our young people that another generation has just about bit the dust because of our stubbornness and rebellion of heart? Blessed Jesus, help us. There is the result of rebellion to be seen in the home. 
and to be seen in the marriage. Amen. Sister Keaton is here tonight. She and I have a wonderful relationship. And I would not be ashamed nor afraid for her to testify for me. Not that I need any bragging or bragging on myself, but only to clarify a point. I have no time and no use for a man who is a brute beast over his family. Amen. So don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. Sir, if your wife and your children tremble in your presence, you need some help. And I said kindly. Very kindly I say that. I'm not lamb blasting you. I'm not trying to shake your eye teeth. I'm just telling you, sir, please consider. If you rule your home like that, you need some help. Give some thought to it, please. But while I take that position and while that is the feeling of my heart, I am not politically correct in this day because I believe God has established the protocol of a home and which man is the head under God. Amen. But the rebellion of our day is reflected time and time again. It is destroying the family. It is destroying the home. It is destroying the happiness. It is destroying the church. Ma'am, let me ask you some very serious questions, and I ask them very kindly. If your husband should suggest to you that next month's long-distance phone bill should be a little smaller, does something just rise in your heart and rebel? You'll call whomsoever you want to when you get good and ready. Amen. If your husband should suggest that the credit card should be laid aside for a period of time, does something rise in your heart and no, you're not taking it away from me, I'll do what I will please with it. Does it sound anything like rebellion to you when I say it like that? God's going to help us if we'll let him. Amen. And you might have had to come to Pilgrim Camp to hear this, but you're hearing it now, and I'm trying to mind Almighty God. As I unburden my heart, this business of rebellion is just about to undo us, folks. It's just about to destroy us. Amen. Somehow, by God's help, we have to get reins on this thing. We have to bring it in check. We have to bring it back into the light of the Scripture one more time. Could it possibly be that the children have rebelled, mother, because they have seen your rebellion against your husband? Men, hold on. You're not off the hook yet. Could the whole process have begun because you rebelled against the Heavenly Father and did not give the spiritual leadership in that home? That is your responsibility to do. It's all rebellion. It is all rebellion. I want to move now to the big question. I know tonight that while you are seated there, appropriately dressed, smiling back at me and looking so appropriate, socially acceptable, even looking godly, I know that behind some of those smiles, there are some broken hearts. And there are some of you that have maybe even came to camp hoping to get away from that nightmare in your life for a little while. And 
hoping to find some help. But you'll awaken here in the mornings with it on your mind and knowing when you get home you'll face it again. Rebellion here, rebellion there. Defiance of the government of home. Defiance of the government church. Defiance of God's rules and man's rules and any rules. Rebellion and defiance has almost driven you to distraction. And you've been begging God for some kind of help. And you really haven't hardly found it anywhere. Maybe God would help us tonight a little bit. Because the devil comes to you. Maybe you. Maybe you who is badly with this. Maybe you're one who has been able to handle all the problems. All the church problems. You was able to pray and work and believe. And when everybody else was caving in, you were strong. And you were the leader and everything was fine. Until you met with rebellion in your family. And suddenly you felt like you were caving in too. And you come as close to despair as anything in all your life has ever driven you. You're not shouting, but you're listening. And down deep inside, some of you are saying it is so. And you have been driven to a point where almost for the first time in your life, your faith has staggered. The knees of your faith have nearly buckled. And someone might have even articulated these words. I don't think there's any hope. Because it seems that way. Let us look to the word of God. And see if there indeed is. Or if all hope is gone. I would look to the book of Nehemiah. The ninth chapter. Begin reading with verse 16. But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to thy commandments and refused to obey. Sounds like rebellion to me. Neither were they mindful of thy wonders that thou didst amongst them, but hardened their necks and in their rebellion. Hear me now. And in their rebellion, appointed a captain to return to their bondage. If the verse ends there, I will join you in your despair. But it doesn't. I must read a bit further. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and of great kindness and forsookest them not. Hallelujah. I believe there is hope for the rebellious for four reasons. And they're all four found in this passage. Reason number one, because God, because God is of great kindness. I am not sure. And I'm going to confess before you. I am not sure that I have always demonstrated the greatest of kindness in the face of flagrant rebellion. Maybe you have enough grace that you always do and always have. 
may God bless you. I want to get better acquainted with you. But I cannot boast of having always displayed the greatest of kindness in the face of rebellion. But I want you to know something. When my kindness expired, God's had not. For if I was of kindness, he was of great kindness. And when my kindness was run out, he was still kind. And when I could think of nothing else kind to say, God was still kind. And it makes me believe there is yet some hope for a rebellious soul. Reason number two, while I believe there is hope for the rebellious, because God, God is slow to anger. I'm still confessing. I'm not sure that I've always maintained the greatest and most godly composure in the face of flagrant rebellion. Now, if you don't understand and you want to go start a rumor about me, have at it. But I'm being honest with you tonight before God because I want you to understand the teachings of this word. And when, and when my composure came in, God was not angry yet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does it mean anything to you? Oh, God's greatness and God's kindness and God's slow to anger attitude far exceeds that of humankind. When I was driven to distraction with rebellion, God was still perfectly composed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Reason number three, because God is gracious and merciful. When I was willing to say, make your own bed and lie in it, God was still merciful. Amen. When I was willing to say, my way or the highway, God was still merciful. Are you hearing me tonight? I don't ask you to shout. I don't ask you to say amen. Don't ask you to make a peep. I just ask you to listen to me. And let the word of God speak to your troubled heart. Amen. Reason number four. Why I believe there is hope for for the rebellious found in this verse. It's said because God is ready to pardon. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. God is ready to pardon. In other words, rebellion is not a sin that he cannot forgive. Rebellion is not the unpardonable. Rebellion can be pardoned if the Bible be true. For it said that God was ready. Not only was he able, but he was ready to pardon. Thank God forever. If you're here with a streak of rebellion in your heart, would you take a little ray of hope? God is ready to pardon you. Glory to God forever. And now I want to give you four things that one must do in order to be free from rebellion. It doesn't seem that rebellion is so easy to shake. I've known some people who had a tobacco habit and they came to the altar and God saved them. And yet they, it was like they were fighting demons over that habit. I've known others who were delivered instantly. Thank God for that. But I've known some who have wrestled and fought and, and battled with those things. And rebellion does not seem to be one that yields easily. 
there are four things that one must do if you're going to be free from this rebellion, which is as the sin of witchcraft. Number one, you must repent of your sin. I know it sounds elementary, but I meant it just that way. You must repent of that sin. It is not a phase of adolescence. I've been around a few young people in my life, raised a dormitory full of myself. Been around a lot more. I do have a little comprehension of some of the battles of adolescence. I'm, my head hasn't been in the sand the last 30 years. But I want to tell you one thing. Rebellion is not just a phase of adolescence. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And you must repent of that sin if you're going to be free from it. You don't need to turn over a new leaf. You need a new life. That will come only by repenting of your heinous sins of rebellion. Number two. Hear this one, please. If you will be free from your rebellion, you must renounce your rebellion. You don't hear much of this anymore. But it must be done. You must renounce your rebellion. Tell God in heaven that you are through with your rebellious ways. Tell your family or those whom you have offended most severely that you are through with your rebellious ways. Let the devil listen in. Renounce your rebellion. Tell God that by his grace you're going to leave it behind. You're no longer going to be the rebellious person you've been in the past. You're repenting of that sin. And you are openly and willingly and on purpose renouncing your rebellion. Number three, if you would be free from rebellion, you must receive Christ's pardon. Now again, it sounds elementary, but I, I've designed it this way on purpose. One of the most difficult things for a rebellious person to do, it seems, is to come to the place where they believe that God really does forgive them. The devil comes with them to the altar sometimes and reminds them of all the hearts they have broken and all the violations of which they are guilty and all the heinous sins that's attributed to their rebellion. And they begin to feel as if they are hopeless in shoe leather. That surely God himself could hardly forgive such heinous sins as they are guilty of. But if you have repented of your sin of rebellion, and if you have renounced your rebellion, then you need to receive Christ's pardon and believe through the blood of Jesus Christ that your rebellion and your sins are forgiven. Praise God. Number four, if you are to be free from your rebellion, you must rejoice in your victory. Tell the world what God has done for you. Repent of your sin. Renounce your rebellion. Receive Christ's pardon. Rejoice in that victory. Let the world know that you were bound, but now you're free. That you were a slave, but now you're a son. Hallelujah. Someone said, but tell me, the folk who are, are bent to rebellion, do they not always kind of gravitate back? Aren't they always the rebel? Aren't they always the problem? 
Let me answer with a question. What about the prodigal son? I believe that boy was rebellious. I believe he was a rebel. But yet when he came home, hallelujah, his father, his father gave him everything he needed to leave again. He came home without clothes, without shoes, without money and hungry. And his father put a good suit on him and a good pair of shoes, money in his pocket, and fed him a big meal. He had everything he needed to leave again. But I noticed he stayed home. Hallelujah. An old crony may have passed by the garden gate one day and said, come on, let's go back out there. He would have said, no, sir, not me. Why not? He may have said, well, now I know how much my father loves me. Hallelujah. He who much is forgiven loveth much. Praise God, praise God. He could have said, I've been out there, I've tasted of that, and I know it doesn't satisfy. I want to tell you, if you have been rebellious, if there is rebellion in your heart this night, if you would come to Jesus Christ and completely yield and submit and repent and believe God for victory, you can have a victory so clean and so pure and so true that there will not be a sign or a trace of that old rebellion left in it. It's no merits of your own, but it's by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who said he was ready to pardon. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But tonight, if there is rebellion in your heart, if there is rebellion in your heart, you have the sin in your heart, the same sin of Absalom. You have the same sin of Saul. The same sin of Ananias and Sapphira is in your heart. The same sin of Pharaoh is in your heart. The same sin of Ephraim is in your heart. The sin of Demas and the sin of Judas Iscariot himself is in your heart. If there is rebellion. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. Keep passing it on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on.